It's January 28th, 2021, and you're listening to the Architecture Geeks podcast. I'm Larry. And I'm Matthew. And we're your friendly neighborhood architects being geeky as we want to be. I'm sitting here thinking, we did the intro and it's it's January 28th. <laughs> I'm like, holy crap. When did we get to the end of January? I swear to God, 2021 started like two days ago. And now here we are. And, and James is somewhere oh, last weekend, I think it was. And he saw all these Valentine's Day decorations up and he thought, well, wow, that seems really awfully to have all awfully early to have all that stuff out. And then he realized it. Oh, wait, Valentine's Day is in three weeks. <laughs> and I, I'm having the same response. I'm like, oh, my God, when did this happen? I, I Have you even thought about any of that? Uh, I See, I always think it's too early because I see it as I, every time I go to the grocery store. And I'm always like, why are they putting out Valentine's Day stuff straight after New Year's? Why are they putting out the the Christmas stuff and it's not even Thanksgiving yet? Like I, that's the type of person that I generally am. But yeah, I ugh, no, I have not thought to answer your question. No, I have not thought about it at all. <laughs> yeah, here we are. Valentine's Day is just around the corner. So so thank you guys for coming back to the podcast and coming back to what is going to be our next international podcast, the next next one in our series. And unlike the Japan podcast, we aren't necessarily focusing on one location on this international podcast. What we really want to talk about is this idea of color. That's where our focus wants to be. Or in our case, if you're in the United States, it's our lack of color. So what we're going to be doing we're going to be doing a little bit of globe trotting around a bit about you know on this podcast. So we're going to kind of go from Scandinavia to Europe to South America, and finally come back to the states and, and talk about what we see as as a dearth. <laughs> I think that's the right word of color. If you if you go through neighborhoods in the U- U.S., this real lack of of color. So to start things off, we're going to hop down to Brazil, and more specifically, we're actually going to hop down to. Matthew and Faye in Brazil because I have never actually been. Yeah, and 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 while we aren't focusing on on one place in particular, the the ideas behind today's podcast started with a trip that my wife and I took to introduce our twids to our relatives in Brazil. While we were there, we spent a lot of time out in the front driveway of the house where we had a pretty good view of the street. And on the last day that we were there, the neighbor across the street from us walked out with a five-gallon bucket of paint and just started coating the street-facing walls of his house with it. So it's incredibly visible, and he is just going to town on it. So throughout the day, I peek outside to check, and, and as time goes by, I see that he has enough supplies and paint to cover the entire front of his house in this bright yellow. And he does. (laughs) It was absolutely amazing to watch as an architect from a different country, because in the U S if your neighbor walks out of his house with a bucket of bright yellow paint and starts painting the front of his house, there will be looks, (laughs) there will be nervous side eye glances and everyone, I can guarantee you everyone is holding their breath while they figure out just exactly where you're going and what you're doing with that color of paint. (laughs) 
as an architect, it was really refreshing to see on a personal level, at least, that there are other cultures where it's acceptable to have colors other than beige and white dominating the Bills environment, especially here in Dallas, it seems like lately. So today's about color. It's about cities around the world using color. And we're going to try to figure out where the color went from the U.S. And, and we'll end with why color is, is important to the built environment. Well, I can't say I would ever paint my house a bright yellow, but, but kudos to, <laughs> to that guy for doing it. Well, and, and anytime I think about something like that, when you, when you were telling me that story the first time, and talking about the sprite yellow paint, and I got to thinking, I'm like, you know, why, why, why doesn't that happen here, and and where does it happen? And of course, the first city I think about when I think about color is really Reykjavik, because every picture I've ever seen—I mean, I've never been—I've had friends who've been, but I've never been. So all the pictures that I've seen, it's this, the the sort of pulled out shots shots of the city and there's all these really colorful buildings and these colorful houses and somehow it, it, it's the city the city that just doesn't seem to be afraid of, of using some color and not just on building facades because you're also seeing colors on roofs you're seeing reds and blues and greens and, and yeah there's there's you know white here and there but but it's this this just wonderful smattering of color and there's a part of me that wonders if that's maybe a psychological thing for them, just given that the weather and like the really extremely short days, and we're talking like five hours of sunlight kind of days during the winter time, or maybe this is just a tradition and and it's just their way of, of maybe some are some are getting away from the monotony of that. And there and there are, are cities all over the globe that do this. And, and we found this great list of, of 30 different colorful cities. Uh, places like Buenos Aires and Copenhagen and Valparaiso, Chile, or Havana, even old San Juan, where I've actually been. And at, at the time, I I, I, <laughs> I don't know if it's because we'd just gotten off the cruise ship or whatever. I don't, don't know that I paid attention to the colors on the building so much, but I do remember walking down the street and seeing these cobblestones I'm trying to think of the right word. I'm like, why, why am I blinking on this? But no, seeing these cobblestones and just stopping and getting my camera out or probably my phone and taking pictures of the cobblestones because they were this sort of iridescent blue. And I thought, wow, this is just incredible looking. I mean, who, who, who thinks to do this with a cobblestone? Because you think cobblestone, you think browns and reds and that sort of stuff. It was really incredible, and so it was kind of fun to see that on the list because I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I've been to San Juan, old San Juan. But oddly enough, out of that entire list, there were a total of two cities in the U.S. that made the cut, and that was San Francisco and Charleston. San Francisco because of the painted ladies, and if you've been to San Francisco, you know what that means. And if not, look it up. <laughs> do, do a good little Googling. And a place called Rainbow Row in Charleston. It's part of the historic part of Charleston. And all that together sort of got us wondering, you know, as as Americans, you know, come, coming back to the U.S., you know, you, you go globe hopping and there's all these incredibly colorful cities. Then you come back to the U.S. and you get into these homes and neighborhoods and, and you think, how did we get to be this bland? How did this happen 
in the U.S. And when? When did we suddenly go from having any color to having what feels like maybe no color? And I don't know that that there's necessarily a good answer. One one thing that that I think might be a cause might be a, a material issue issue in my mind that would be a contributing factor. Wood is easier to modify, so more people are likely to try a different variety of colors. And if you go to some of the Instagram accounts for historic homes, time and time again, you'll see these beautiful Victorian houses painted any number of colors, like these baby blues, kind of a a faded, well, a faded yellow, uh, purples. They, they, they don't really seem to want for choosing colors that really make these houses pop. And my parents actually live in a Victorian style house and they painted theirs a bright, not a bright green. It's, it's more of a forest green, but it is, it is a greenhouse and so, and so much, and it impacted the area so much so that there are other buildings in the vicinity of their house that have actually copied their color scheme into the architecture and uh, architecture and design of of their places. There, there's a daycare center just down the street who took my parents' paint palette and and essentially duplicated it for their house. So it, it, it's fun to see the, the the ripple effects when you actually do use color and, and use it well. But a quick drive through much of suburbia, especially in the United States, really enforces this lack of color. And, and I think what that might be is because of a, is because of the, the brick requirements that you see a lot of cities using. I know here in the DFW area, there's a requirement in almost all the cities that you have to use at least 75% brick, I think, for new structures. It's at least 75% in some areas. If you, The further north you get, especially if you go towards Al, uh, Allen and McKinney, I, I know Allen sp- uh, says you have to have 100% on at least the first floor. And so while you may get variations in color for brick, the, it, it's still going to it's still going to be fairly muted and a fairly neutral, fairly earthy palette that you're, you're just not going to be able to really change all that much. And, and if you look at these other locations, you aren't seeing a lot of brick. You're seeing wood and, and plaster. These are materials that are much more adaptable and, and, and much maybe not more readily available than, than other places. Maybe so, but they're, they're definitely the materials are, are much more adaptable and, and conducive to adding and, and changing color. And as a country, maybe have we backed ourselves into a corner by mandating brick as such a dominant material in, in our houses and, and just overall? I hadn't really thought about the idea that these cities are mandating how much brick we're using or how much stone, because some of them will say, oh, you can do a mixture of stone and brick. Well, it doesn't matter. It's still the same. It's all this still very sort of bland material in a lot of ways. I hate to say that because brick is, can be really beautiful and it can be used beautifully. But the thing that the other thing that popped in my head too, as, as we were working on this and talking about this, this lack of color was, was did this happen more 
as a change in eras as the country was evolving and developing and and we were moving moving out into the suburbs and as as we moved farther away from World War II and the suburbs really started to spread across America did we just as equally pull away from the use of color it was was that that what's really driving some of this is we have we have started this sort of mass production of homes and somehow the color started fading out because we were using the same materials over and over and over and over again but the funny thing is if you look at exterior color palettes that were offered by the paint companies in the 50s and 60s and 70s that tells a completely different story because during the 60s DuPont was offering colors like sun gold and bright green and zenith blue i mean these these were these were really very dynamic colors and they were meant to be used on the exterior of the building. And while I was thinking about this and thinking, well, maybe maybe it's just an era thing, my, my mind got back to, there was a song that, if you ever watched Weeds, the, the show Weeds, the opening song of the show is called Little Boxes. And it was written and sung by a woman in the 60s. It's, her name is Malvina Reynolds. And it's the song that, really talks about sort of the conformity of tract home America and sort of this cookie cutter suburb that was going up, except so, so in in my head, I'm like, Oh, well, you know, it's very cookie cutter. It all looks the same. Everything is, is identical. And Oh, I I can see it getting kind of bland, except when she's singing the song, she's talking about, there's a pink one and a blue one and a yellow one and a green one. And then, and it's, yes, they're all ticky tacky as she puts it, but they all had color. All these houses somehow still had color, and it's just like okay, well maybe it's not a not an era thing. Maybe it is a materials thing, or or maybe there's you know maybe there is this as you mentioned earlier. You know, is there a psychology behind this? Is is have we gotten has a psychology of how we perceive our neighborhoods maybe somehow changed to go sort of get us away from from the use of color? Because I know you were telling me earlier that. The on a commercial front that they're not, you know, you look at, they're not afraid to use color and they do it solely for psychological reasons. Yeah. So I found it interesting that in, in the commercial industry, you have all these associations with color, whether it be orange theory. Uh, it's a, it's a chain of gyms with its own brand of, of exercises and everything like that. But the, the main theory behind orange theory is these giant, rooms that you're in but it's it's this bright orange color and as supposedly that color is going to to i don't know if it's it's supposed to help you work out i don't know if it's supposed to help you focus more but but it's it's the the some somebody somewhere did enough marketing and research and and really looked into how the color is going to affect and and has decided that this color orange is the color that is going to get our patrons like really fired up, really get them going. And, and, and so there's, there's this psychological effect associated with that color. If you look at the restaurant business, there are so many restaurants that use the color red in both the exterior and the interior of their, of their restaurants. You think of Zoe's kitchen or Wendy's McDonald's in and out burger, pizza hut, Domino's, they all use bright, the red on the exterior and interior of their spaces because there's an association of red with with an increased 
in appetite. And it, and even if it's a ten percent bump at in a in in in, in a company's sales, you know, it, it might not be it might not be like rake, they might not be raking in the the profits off of this color change or color palette. But it's there's it is providing a measurable bump to their bottom line, and and part of that has to be associated with the colors that they choose to put in front of their patrons as they're walking into the space. And so the the so obviously in the commercial industry they're they're seeing a benefit to color that that has somehow gotten away from the re- the residential side of things, and this is important because there there have been a lot of studies that have actually started to show that bland spaces and boring spaces can actually generate stress in 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 experiments architecture induced boredom increases our stress levels and other studies show that glossy but bland buildings encourage people to be less kind and less social, which might already drive up the already high psychological costs, which is not helping in this era of increased social isolation, especially due to COVID. I, I would never have have thought thought about the, you know, yes, we're, we're we are, yes, we are used to seeing bland buildings, but the thought never crossed my mind that 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 would really have sort of a psychological impact. Although you do think about, they talk about wall colors and how these things would really impact us in a, in a, in a work environment is, is the color soothing? Does it keep us calm? Does it excite us? And I guess going back a little bit to the commercial thing that, that restaurants want to use red and they want to use excitable colors to get you to buy more food. So it's, it's funny that we're not afraid to, to do this at the commercial level, but when it comes to doing it with our own houses, we, we have, become terrified of using any color. And, and I don't know, part, part of me is, just wants to think maybe it's a develop, development issue. Maybe it's developers because it's easier for them to buy in bulk. And so they don't have to make a lot of changes. They don't have to make a lot of choices. You know, the homeowner gets to have a handful of choices in color and that's it. Instead of trying to, to do all these multiple colors everywhere. Or has it come down to the realtors who have convinced Americans that if you want to sell your home it has to be a very neutral bland thing and if you if you i i keep thinking about our house if we ever decide to sell we have two bathrooms in james's office and possibly the laundry room that if the realtor is going to walk in and look at and go you need to paint those white because they want that neutral palette so we we have somehow and 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 even even homeowners associations you go to these neighborhoods that are are ruled by these homeowners associations and everyone's yard has to look the same and everyone's house needs to look the same. And we have to, all these restrictions about what you can and can't do with the outside of your home. So that you have this, we have somehow managed to create for ourselves a bland, bland, bland <laughs> kind of suburbia. And we, we've just seemed to have abandoned color. And here you are talking about the potential for the psychology of it and the potential impact that it's having on us, and especially now when we're all we are all home much more. So yeah, it's 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 amazing that as a as a country you can look at us and say, oh, you'll see the old homes that might have some color, the old Victorians and here and there, but globally 
you see much more or you, or you see these, these locations that are certainly not afraid of color and not afraid to really express that. So hopefully when we can all travel again, you guys can go and explore some of these locations. I, I think it would certainly make for an interesting trip to try, try and go to some of these locations just to see what, they're, what we're talking about with color because it's out there. We just, I guess, have to find it. And, and at the same time, I think, do we finally start to allow ourselves to break away from that a little bit? Or do we just kind of keep going going along the same way? But maybe that's a, a question for another day. Um, for now, you guys go and en- enjoy your weekend and have a great time. Hopefully, a wonderful Valentine's Day is coming up for you. And if you have any comments, you can always reach me, Larry, at Spotted Dog Architecture or on Instagram or Twitter at Spotted Dog Arch. And you can always find Matthew at. You can find me at ArchGeekMatt on Twitter and come visit our website at architecturegeeks.com or email us at architecturegeeks100 at gmail.com. So multiple places. But thanks y'all for listening and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye guys.